once you have that freedom of I can go anywhere and I can spend all this extra time doing anything, it almost like the paradox of choice kicks in where you're like, where am I going to go? And and I found that one of the practices that I've been trying to do is pick a place and, and invest and stay for a while because I ended up sort of bouncing around a lot of different places and it, it got kind of draining. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research, so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Sam, who is a digital nomad who recently did a viral TEDx talk titled The Surprising Power of Remote Work. In the talk, Sam explains the often overlooked power of digital nomadism, how it can be leveraged to win back your time, pursue side projects, do life experiments, and work with nearly anyone in the world. Sam is also the host and producer of Radically Different, a podcast series that explores lifestyles and career paths that break from the American norm. Listen on to find out how Sam has been able to travel the world and really define the power of remote work. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to speak with Sam. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm good, Debbie. I'm excited to be speaking with you. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, sure. So I graduated from college about two years ago. And at the time, a lot of my friends were plugging into nine to five jobs in the US. I really didn't have any desire to do that. So I actually ended up going on a trip to Vietnam with a friend and decided to stay. And basically, since then, I've been basically a digital nomad traveling and living abroad in different places. I work part-time remote as a software engineer, and the rest of my time I produce a podcast called Radically Different, which is really like this exploration of lifestyles and career paths that break from the American norm. And so, yeah, how am I living an offbeat life? I think the biggest difference is that, yeah, I'm location independent, I move around a lot, and I've really been focused on this idea of following my curiosity over the past two years. And I've found that this combination of location independence and part-time remote work has really allowed me to do that. And, and because of that, I've been able to have a lot of really cool experiences. And, and I've also realized that it gives me sort of a leg up when it comes to building my career and working with people that I most want to work with and to pursue my passions. So yeah, hopefully that answers the question at least a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it definitely has. When you were still in school, what was your major? I was studying computer science and I had a minor in Hispanic studies. Did you ever think that this was going to happen or it was something that just happened to you? You know, it's funny, Debbie, because when I was a, a freshman in college, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I was feeling kind of lost. And 
my roommate uh, studied computer science and he was, you know, he sort of introduced me to the world of, of computer programming and entrepreneurship. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, this is so cool that I can build things with nothing but a laptop. And I was thinking, wow, this means that I could be really mobile. Like I could probably be anywhere in the world and be creating things. And I love that idea. And, and it's funny because I wasn't really thinking like, oh, when I graduate college, I'm going to become a digital nomad. But there was sort of that idea in the back of my mind of like, that's something I could do. And yeah, it's, a, it's afforded me a lot of freedom to be able to you know, pursue the, the lifestyle that I want. What was that moment like when you were in Asia and then you realized that this was something that you wanted to do long term? Was there an aha moment or it was just because you really loved it there? <laughs> there absolutely was. So I basically, a friend of mine said, hey, let's let's go to Vietnam on a, on a three-week trip. And we did that. And at the time, I decided I was interested in starting this podcast and I also brought my laptop and I, I sort of, in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, I could stay if this place is exciting. And sure enough, like I met a bunch of digital nomads and people who were Westerners who were living in Vietnam. And the day that my friend left, it was like the first morning that I was alone in Saigon in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. I was like, okay, like, I guess this is the moment that I'm alone here in this country and the moment that this podcast is going to start. And I had been traveling, backpacking for three weeks, wanted to start feeling productive and wanted to start the podcast. And so I basically, I searched for co-working spaces in Saigon. And the first one that popped up had like a, you know, come try out the space for free on Tuesdays. And it was Tuesday. And so I was like, okay. So I just like basically hopped on my motorbike, drove across the city and entered this three-story co-working space filled with foreigners that were working there. And I honestly kind of had my mind blown because I had known that like there were people doing this, but this was like my first real encounter with like, okay, here's a, an entire co-working space filled with Westerners who are onto something that I maybe haven't realized yet. And I ended up spending three or four days doing interviews with people. And I ended up finding this crazy story of like these entrepreneurs in Saigon who were basically taking advantage of the low cost of living and the massive growing middle class and this sort of lag in services that we are accustomed to in the US. And they were basically copying those ideas, ideas like Uber and bringing them to Southeast Asia. And it turned into this crazy story. It's the first episode of my podcast. But I remember thinking like day three, I got done with the interviews and I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, first of all, the story that I'm finding, the lifestyles that I'm witnessing, and also like, wow, this is really fun. I sort of discovered this passion for podcasting and for interviewing and for storytelling. Yeah, I would say that was the moment. It was this sort of feeling of exhilaration of like, anything's possible. I have the freedom to move around and to really explore my curiosity and that spark of curiosity that comes from stumbling upon new things that, that are just interesting there was definitely that that moment there. It's really amazing when you think your idea is this out of the norm thing and then you get into a spot or you meet a bunch of people yeah. that are living <laughs> it and then you're like, well, this is not as impossible as I thought. It's just the group of people that I was in or maybe the society that I was surrounding myself with that just thought it was abnormal. But then you go to places like where you are or even Chiang Mai 
and there's so many co-working spaces and people living their life in a totally different country with this whole new mindset that is mind-blowing for somebody who has never seen this before. So that was a great spot for you to be in. Totally. And, you know, Debbie, like that's kind of like my whole thesis. Like that's what the podcast is really about is exposing people to people doing life in ways that they're unaccustomed to. Because I, I really believe that like exposure to radically different ideas really just like broadens your perspective on what's even possible. Yeah, 100%. It's like you think something's outlandish and then you find the group of people that are doing it. And on top of that, if it's something that you're interested in doing, I think it's so much easier to do if you're surrounded by people who've already figured it out. Otherwise, you know, you just feel like you're crazy in, in, in it. <laughs> It's like being in a mastermind group and it totally. becomes so much more easier instead of just Googling everything for yes. yourself. And it takes so much longer to do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. After the three days when you did your interviews and you probably realized by then that, okay, this is where I need to be. The path that I need to be in is this. Did you do anything to prepare for this so that it could become more sustainable? <laughs> you know, actually, yes. So a few things. The first thing I'll say is that in a way, I was just on this great adventure. Like I really felt like that I was, yeah, I was just on this adventure and, it, and I was just, I think especially because, you know, the cost of living is so cheap in Southeast Asia. I, I had enough runway that I knew I could sort of explore comfortably for a while. And I kind of was just of the mentality of like, I'm just going to go until it's clear that I need to do something else or, or figure out how to make money. But I will say like after about a month, I went to Thailand and I was like, okay, like I need to start figuring out how to, how to make a living. And so I had my laptop. I knew how to code. I had a little bit of software development experience. And so I basically just went on Upwork and started perusing job postings and um, applied for a few and ended up getting the first one that I applied for actually. And it was a very like kind of grueling and demoralizing process as I think like anytime you're looking for a job, it is. But I sort of just like hustled really hard for two weeks. And yeah, within two weeks, I had landed my, my first client. So that was great because I was able to find a client that only needed like 15 hours a week of work done. And it was super flexible. Like it was 15 hours a week with a weekly check-in. So the level of freedom that I experienced for the first time in my life was insane because I, you know, I basically would work like maybe two days a week and it could be like on the weekends if I wanted. And then the rest of the time I could just do whatever. And I explored Thailand on a motorcycle. I, I even like worked seven, eight hours like on a ship on the way to Koh Tao to, to get my, my scuba certification. I found a way to make it sustainable and, and I just really felt alive and like I was on an adventure. It's kind of like Pandora's box, right? Once you open it, I don't know how you can get back to what you thought was normal because it's such a different world when you realize that you don't have to live a certain way that everybody told you you should be living. And it makes you so much more happier when you have that freedom and you figure out that it can be sustainable. Totally. But it's interesting because I actually think it's always like there's pros and cons of everything. And this is something I try to cover in, in my podcast too. Of like, exactly. I felt that level of freedom and I wasn't willing to go back to like, once you've experienced that, basically I came back to the US for Christmas and then my friend's company, they, they offered me a job, right? They wanted me to come work for them. 
And I said, I'll only do it if it's part-time remote because like I've figured this thing out. Like I, I figured out that I can support myself only working, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. And so I'm not willing to give up on that. So yeah, I actually, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know how people, <laughs> especially for computer programming, maybe it's just me. It's like, I don't know how someone codes for 40 hours a week. <laughs> it's just so much time in front of a screen and sort of like by yourself in your own head. But I will say that like, it's the strange thing of like, once you have that freedom of I can go anywhere and I can spend all this extra time doing anything, it almost like the paradox of choice kicks in where you're like, so like, where am I going to go? And, and I found that one of the practices that I've been trying to do is pick a place and invest and stay for a while because I ended up sort of bouncing around a lot of different places and it got kind of draining. So that's kind of been my focus and my meditation over the past several months is like, take it a little bit more slowly. <laughs> I think in the beginning, we all start that way, right? We have check boxes we need to fill with all of the places we have to go to. And then as you go longer and longer, you realize that it's actually not that good for you if you want to do this long term and you also want to start working. At least for me, that didn't happen like that because you want to see everything, but then you don't have the time because you still have to work and then you're still yep. traveling. So it's pretty nuts. Totally. Like I think that trying to mix travel and working, at least working hard, doesn't work that well for me. I mean, it can work, but it's just less fun, you know? So I would rather either do like, okay, I'm gonna base somewhere for a while and do like two or three days a week I'm working and then I have like three or four days off to just explore or kind of do it more of the traditional way of like, okay, I'm gonna work for several months and then I'm gonna take several months off and just travel and explore, pursue new hobbies. Yeah. And I do have to say, it takes some time to find your groove with all of this, because for some people, it actually does work for them to constantly travel. And for some people like you and I, we realize that it's not sustainable for us. So it's just finding out where you are and the balance between the both of them. That's true. Of course, I also want to talk about setbacks, because this is not just great things. You know, there's a lot of things that you encounter as a freelancer, as a remote worker, as a digital nomad. What has been the biggest setback that you've encountered so far? It's mm, a good question. I think the biggest setback has really been overcommitment for me. There's so many things that I want to do. There's so many things that excite me and I want to do them all at once. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. And so, for instance, when I first moved to Medellin, Colombia, I was transitioning out of uh, a client work. I had started with this new company and I was trying to get the podcast out. And so all these things meant that I was just slammed. I was working six days a week, sometimes seven days a week and just feeling super drained and overcommitted. Similar thing when I was in um, San Diego, I was working with this guy, Pablo Fernandez, who has like an experiential dinner company. And I was doing work with him and helping him produce their events. But I was also doing the podcast and I was also planning a co-living experience. And I was also preparing for a TED talk. So like, it was just too many things. And so I think, I don't know if it's like setbacks, but that's really what I've realized is that those have been, that's been a weakness of mine. And those have been the times where I become overcommitted and really I do nothing very well. <laughs> so um, I think maybe that's more of a personal struggle, but that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. 
<laughs> I think we want to do everything all at once. And sometimes you don't feel very good about yourself when you feel like you're not doing too much. And I always find that when you actually take a step back and just do one thing at a time, you get more done. So that's the irony of it all. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> Learned that the hard way. <laughs> Since you're constantly on the road, obviously you're also working there. How much money do you save while you are traveling around and how are you able to make that last? Mm, that's a good question. So like right now, because I'm, I'm actually an employee at a company, I just auto draw savings. <laughs> so basically there's a percentage of my paycheck that I just never see and it just goes straight into an investment account. And part of it goes straight into a savings account. That's worked well for me because then it's just like whatever I have left is what I have left to spend. It's all about automation. I love automating things because I constantly forget things. <laughs> so yeah. whenever you have the time to do that or you're able to do it, definitely automate things, especially when it's bills. Oh my goodness, it saves you the headache of being late with payments and all of that. It's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's important to acknowledge that I think I'm particularly fortunate because software engineering is in such high demand. The salaries are higher. And so I'm in a position where like I can put aside, you know, 10 to 20% of my income each month and still have, you know, plenty of money to, to live a comfortable life and working, you know, part-time. I will say that's also in part because I'm a minimalist and I really try and reduce across the board the things that I spend money on. My biggest expenses is probably plane tickets, especially because I've been living in cheaper places. My cost of living, at least for, for rent, is pretty cheap. So, you know, I really say, and this is something I really elaborate on in my TEDx talk, is it's like reducing the number of hours that you're working while at the same time reducing your costs. Because I think we can live on a lot less actually than we think. And that's an important piece of it. It's the less sexy piece, but I think that's important as well. If you want to prioritize your freedom and your, and your free time, I think it's important to make some sacrifices in that regard as well. Yeah. It's just figuring out what really works for you and what your balance is and what you're going to be happy with. Because a lot of people want certain things and you sacrifice things for that as well, like more freedom, you know, you have to work more to get that. So it's, you know, if you don't need all of the bells and whistles, you can live like Sam does and have more freedom to do other things with it, like more experiences, for example. I also like, I don't know if you've read the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. It's a super scammy title, but it's a fantastic book on personal <laughs> finance, I swear. And one of the things that he talks about is like what he encourages people to do is to choose the things that you really love and feel free to spend as much as you want on them. And then decide what are the things that I really don't care about and to slash those expenses to sort of an extreme level. And so I, I, I think that's, that's a nice framework of looking at things. It's like if what really makes you the most happy is traveling a lot and you want to spend, you know, 50% of your income on plane tickets, great. But then you just need to decide like what are the things that are not important and really slash those aggressively. Yeah. And well, now we're during this pandemic, we can't really travel. So you're saving more right now. So yeah, when yeah. borders start <laughs> opening up, you'll have a ton more savings to spend on that if that is what makes you happy. Right. So that's a good thing in a way. <laughs> totally. 
When you first started applying for jobs, because I know you said that the first one that you've ever gotten was through Upwork, how did you prepare for that moment? Because a lot of the people who are doing this, they maybe don't have remote skills or they don't know how to actually transfer that into remote work. How were you able to do that, especially since it was your first time out? That's a great question. So for me, there was a few things. One is that I had had a little bit of experience working as a software engineer for different companies, like summer internships. I worked during the summer after graduation. So I had a little bit of a portfolio, but not as much as you would hope from, you know, a software engineer who's you know, created a, a profile in Upwork. The second thing is that I had quite a bit of entrepreneurial experience. I started a startup when I was a sophomore in college. And because of that, I, I really understood like what someone was looking for in a hire for a software engineer. So the reason that I won this first client was because my proposal to him was really about like, hey, I've been in your shoes before. I know what it's like to be a startup founder. I know that you're looking for a software engineer who understands your vision, who is incredibly reliable, who can communicate really well with you, and is going to be like a team member, you know, and is going to help you build this thing. And to be honest, he didn't exactly know the path forward. And I think that's the next level as like a freelancer or a consultant is you want to actually help people see the path forward and, you know, they're hiring you, yes, to build something, but they're also hiring you to sort of give them advice and leadership and, on how to build that thing. So really I was then getting compared to, it was like me versus a bunch of development agencies where there wasn't really a lot of um, personalization being put into their proposals. And so that's how I ultimately won the, the gig. The other thing that I did is that I priced myself really low at first. I think that's something you just maybe have to do if you're starting out, if you have no track record on Upwork or whatever the job site is that you're using. And if you don't have a huge portfolio, that's a way that you can sort of like 